good movement draws good movement. So one interaction led with kindness draws more by default. Hi, friend. Welcome to Gather and Growth, a show created for passionate, growth-focused, rural women like you. From mindset work and building strong habits to exploring the unique joys and challenges of living rural, this is a show to leave you feeling joyful, inspired, and a little less alone. Together, we're on a journey of reaching for the most confident, healthy, and authentic version of ourselves, and I'm forever grateful to have you by my side. Whether you're currently running on a back road, shuffling kids to town, hopping along for a tractor ride, or three loads deep into folding laundry, grab yourself a nice coffee and let's dive in. Hi friends, welcome back to Gather and Grow. Today I'm honored to be joined by my friend Taryn and we are going to talk about I'm sure all the things, let's be honest. Enneagram, good movement, life, rural America, and beyond. But welcome, Taryn. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited about this conversation. Me too. I'm extra excited because you are currently breaking into the podcast space on your own. So it's always extra fun to get to sit down and talk with fellow podcasters, especially someone who is diving into this world. Yes, I'm excited about podcasting. I won't lie, I've felt pretty stagnant recently. Mm -hmm. And when the podcast kind of, well, I lit a fire under my own butt, so to speak, (laughs) to get started with the podcast. But it was the most energized and excited that I've felt about anything related to my business in several months. So I'm very excited to be launching my own podcast. I love that. And I think that's a perfect segue to talk a little bit about what's even brought you to today. Like give us a little context about who you are, where you live, how you got started in this space, and then ultimately what's brought you to the work that you're currently doing and about to jump into. Yeah. So I grew up in Northeast Nebraska, but I currently live in the Sandhills where my husband and our three kids live and work on a large ranch here. I like to say our gig is kind of like owning your own place without taking on any of the financial risk because we take care of all the day-to-day operations, but we aren't the ones, you know, paying for feed and tractors and cattle and all the things. And I came to the ranch via the feed yard. I grew up on a feed yard, studied feed yard management in college, worked at a corporate feed yard for seven years. Feedlots were my thing. Then the Lord has really different plans for us than we have for ourselves. And honestly, I'm glad because I I couldn't have made a better plan for myself, honestly. And in the summer of 2013, I made the move from feedlot to ranch. And in that move, I was afforded a little bit extra time because I was a ranch hand slash stay-at-home mom or ranch-at-home mom. I don't know. I don't know what you want to call that. (laughs) We were working on the ranch, but every day was take your kids to work day. But I had a little more time than I did, free time than I did when I was working at the feed yard. And when I was working at the feed yard, I always thought, you know, one thing that I would really like to do is like bridge this gap. Like social media was kind of in its infancy then. And I wanted to bridge the gap between those of us growing the food and the people consuming the food who weren't growing it. I have a hard time with the word consumer because we're all consumers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know if that description makes any sense at all, but I wanted to bridge the gap. So Mm -hmm. with My extra time being on the ranch, I started a blog called Faith, Family, and Beef, where I just told stories of what we did every day raising beef cattle. And from that, it kind of it it kind of developed in stages. I started just sharing like what we did and you know that field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. I thought that was true. (laughs) But I built it and they didn't come. And it turns out is because I was just sharing like fellow farmers and ranchers were coming and family and friends were coming, but the people that I was really wanting to talk to weren't coming. And it was because I wasn't sharing anything of real interest to them. Mm -hmm. And so I started writing for a mom blog and writing things that were more motherhood and life based and grew that community, the outside of agriculture community a little bit. And 
through my blog and my social platforms and for like two years. And then I found myself on social media in 2016, hotly contested election year. I'm sure every election year is hotly contested, <laughs> but this one was the first one where social media wasn't a baby anymore. It mm-hmm. was a full grown, loud adult. <laughs> that's a better word beast yeah and we had a 24-hour news cycle which that probably happened before 2016 but I honestly didn't pay that close attention but everything felt really loud and overwhelming and rude in the social media space so one morning in August of that year I was out moving our herd of cattle by myself it was just me and my stock dog and We started the first pairs, little group of pairs, cows and calves towards the new pasture. And then I just watched as each cow picked up her calf and trailed on after that first little group. And I couldn't, it's that what was happening is what we call in stockmanship, good movement. So when we start one cow, a cow and her calf, a few cattle, moving in a certain direction and their movement draws the rest of the group in. Mm -hmm. That's good movement. And I couldn't help but think in that moment, sitting there on the hill, watching all these pairs, like hundreds of head of cattle trail off to the fresh pasture. If this works for cattle, Mm -hmm. if we can adjust ourselves and read our cattle and communicate with them in such a way that this happens, is that possible for humans? Mm -hmm. And I couldn't help but think that not only is it possible, it is absolutely necessary. So that was in 2016. (laughs) And I am slow to change. I spend a lot of time in my head before I make a change. That happened in 2016. I didn't write a blog post about good movement until 2018. (laughs) But I just couldn't shake. Like I made a note in my phone about good movement and humans and all that, but I just was in my head about it and didn't get it flushed out until 2018. And then I just couldn't shake it. Like I was still blogging and writing about our life on the ranch and family and food and beef and faith and all the things, but I couldn't shake this feeling that I needed to be doing something more and that something should be around good movement and this idea of better communication between humans because good movement draws good movement. So one interaction led with kindness draws Mm -hmm. more by default. And that's kind of what led me to where I am today, sharing in the online space about good movement and effective communication and self and social awareness and all the things. And then also offering what I call good movement trainings. Yeah. There's so many things I want to unpack here, but at what point in this trajectory did you discover the Enneagram? Was it before your good movement realization or was it somewhere as a ripple effect along the way? Because I know that you have shared a lot in the Enneagram space. So I'm interested, how does that fit into your story? Yes, that was a ripple effect. So I wrote that good movement post in 2018, the summer. And then in the fall, my bestie Sheila and I, we went to Christy Wright's business boutique conference in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. everyone at the conference was talking about the Enneagram. And I'm like, what is this? Like so many people were talking about it and I was clueless and Sheila didn't know what it was either. So I quickly Googled it and realized just long enough to see that it was a personality typology system that was rooted in motivations and not behaviors. But I didn't go much further beyond that until the summer of 2019 when I listened to Annie F. Downs' That Sounds Fun series, yep. summer series, any a summer. And then I took an online test, which I don't recommend anymore, but I yep. did it. Not surprisingly now, I mistyped. But then I read the book, The Road Back to You, and figured yep. out my true type, what my type really was. And I just kept learning about it and implementing it in my life. And I realized how related to good movement it was because Mm -hmm. the key to good movement is self-awareness and the Enneagram is a tool that expedites your own self-awareness. 
So without being self-aware and making adjustments, you might be able to draw a good movement, but it's going to be a heck of a lot harder without that awareness. Yeah. Yeah. I discovered the Enneagram around the same time. It was September, 2019. And I started with the road back to you again. I think I'd heard about it on a podcast or something. And I remember the deeper I dove into it, the more light bulbs just kept going off of like, oh, and like so much of that self-awareness piece in in a lightning, permission-giving, like explanatory, this is who I am and this is why I function the way I do. And also in a, huh, like that makes sense. And before we started recording, you said, something that I think really resonated with me is the Enneagram can be a tool to help you understand and love people better, which I think relates so well to that idea of the way we communicate, the way we bring that positivity and that understanding, that compassion forward. So for someone who is maybe hearing about the Enneagram for the first time, or they're like, okay, I've literally been hearing about this everywhere. What are they talking about? Give us a super high level. What is the Enneagram? What are each of the types? And how does someone jump into their own journey? So like I said, the Enneagram is a personality typology system, but it's very different than say Myers-Briggs, Strengths Finders, The Colors Insights, There's a bunch more, I'm sure. But all the ones that are related to your behaviors. The Enneagram is rooted in your motivations, which I find so much more beneficial because it's your motivation is your why. Why do you behave this way? Because behavior is a window or a symptom, if you will, of something else. Your why, your motivation. So when we understand the why behind the behavior, we can actually fix it. I use the analogy of a car. Like you might know your car is running crappy. And at that point you have two options. You can take it to a mechanic and figure out why it's running crappy, or you can continue to run it crappy. And it's the same for us. We might recognize that we have some crappy behaviors or behaviors that aren't yielding the results that we want. And at that point we have two options. We can continue on the same way, or we can get down to why, the why behind those behaviors. So that's kind of how I describe the Enneagram. And there are nine types, one through nine. It's on this diagram. The diagram has lines and all the things, but each type is tied to a different motivation. I've been in it for almost five years and I'm still learning new things. Mm -hmm. And so this is just going to be real quick, but we're going to start with eight because there's a method to this madness at starting at eight instead of one. And that is because if you don't start with eights, they have a tendency to get bored and check out. (laughs) And if you don't end on seven, they have a tendency to hear about themselves and then dive into learning about themselves and not paying attention to the other eight types. And that is something that is important to do is not only to just learn about yourself and your type, Mm -hmm. but also to learn about the other nine types. And here's a personal story about that. As a type nine, that's my type, I can see lots of shades of gray. I can Mm -hmm. see at least two sides to every story. I did not know that not everyone had that ability. And so like in 2016, when we were all at each other over the election, I was like, why can't people understand each other's points of view? Mm-hmm. And this is why it's important to learn about each type is so that you can understand that not everybody views the world the way you do. And then you can extend them grace because they view it differently from you. Right. Well, especially once you start understanding the motivations behind why people do the things that they do, like understanding my husband's types and my friend's types, it's like, removed some of that maybe defensiveness or that quick to make assumptions and being able to be like, okay, I know you are such and such type. I know that this is what some of your biggest fears are rooted in. I completely understand why you said that or why you're choosing to do the things that you do. It's so liberating. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's made a huge difference in my relationship with my husband. And I know he would say the same 
understanding mm-hmm. each other's types. Like he knows now that I need to start slower in the morning. I know that he has an inner critic that sometimes comes out of his mouth. So I can extend him grace because I know that that critic is not actually directed at me. It's just made such a huge difference. So starting with type eight, they are motivated by self-reliance and our motivations are made up of four things, our fear, desire, our sin or struggle or weakness, whatever you want to call it, and then our longing. So what we long to hear to counter the lies that we tell ourselves. So for type eight, their fear is appearing weak or being vulnerable or feeling powerless or manipulated. Their desire is protecting themselves and those in their inner circle. And their sin or weakness is lust, not Lust after the flesh, some of these sins are literal. Most of them are not. Mm -hmm. It's lust after control. They want Mm. to be in control of everything because if they are in control of everything, there's no chance of them ever being betrayed, at least in their mind. Mm. Obviously, that's not the way the world works. (laughs) Right. And then their longing is to hear, you will not be betrayed. Type 8s also of note have the most energy of any type on the Enneagram. Really? I didn't know that. Yes, they are, they have almost limitless energy unless they're very stressed and then their energy is depleted a little bit, but they're go-getters. That makes sense. So type nines, that's me. Type nines motivation is keeping the peace and our fear as nines is conflict, tension, being overlooked, or loss of connection. Our desire is having peace, both inner, like in our inner world and around us. And our sin is sloth. Now, people hear this about nines and they're like, but you're not lazy. No, again, sloth, not literal. This is like a spiritual laziness. So mm. falling asleep to your own desires, dreams, etc., to keep the peace within you. The longing of the nine is to hear your presence matters. So oftentimes, like that is a big lie that I tell myself is that my presence doesn't matter. So I just stay quiet and I don't speak up. And that's why. Yeah. So the type ones, their motivation is perfection. Their Mm -hmm. fear is being wrong, bad, or evil. Oh, time out. Go back to nine for a minute. Nines have the least amount of energy on the Enneagram. Eight's the most, nine's the least. The reason nines have the least is because it's very exhausting keeping everything out that might cause conflict within and everything in that might cause conflict out. Ones, again, motivated by perfection. Fear is being wrong, bad, evil. Their desire is to be good, right, and having integrity. Their sin is anger, Hmm. which... Because anger feels bad to them, they internalize it and then it comes out as resentment. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a fun thing to have is resentment. <laughs> <laughs> Their longing is to hear you are good. And Mm -hmm. a lot of this resentment and their fear comes from their inner critic. So there's only one deal breaker on the Enneagram that is the one's inner critic. If you have an inner critic. And what I mean by an inner critic is it's with you 24-7, 365. It is not a nice voice in your head. It's very critical. It uses language like, why didn't you do that? And why, why didn't you do that better? And you should have done it this way and all the things. Whereas a lot of us have inner dialogue or an inner voice, but it's only when you know, it might be a nice voice like, oh, you did awesome. Or like when we make a mistake, it's mm-hmm. negative self-talk is what I'm, the word I was trying to think of or the phrase I was trying to think of. Negative self-talk only happens when we make a mistake or, you know, we do something that we didn't really want to do, whatever. And that is like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I'm such an idiot. Why did I do that? Hear the difference in the pronouns, you versus mm-hmm. I. Yeah. So ones, again, inner critic, there all the time, can't be shut off, only volume turned down. Mm. Negative self-talk can be shut off, and it's not there all the time. Which brings us to the type two. The type two's motivations is love and appreciation. 
And that is made up of their fear of being unloved, rejected, or unwanted. They desire to feel appreciated, loved, and wanted, and their sin is pride. And it comes from a pride of everyone else has feelings and needs, and I know how to take care of them, but I don't have feelings or needs. So they're Mm -hmm. very proud of the fact that they know how to help everyone else and that they don't need help. But that, again, not true. (laughs) Even twos, even helpful twos need help once in a while. Mm-hmm. So their longing is to hear you are wanted and loved. And type twos, they have this innate ability to walk into a room and not meet people where they are, but meet people where they need to be met. Mm. They can read people and pick up on who needs help and just exactly how to help them. And sometimes, well, a lot of times they'll jump into action without asking if the person actually wants the help in the first place. And then that kind of gets them into trouble a little bit once in a while. Mm-hmm. So type three, you're type three, right, Emily? That's me. Your motivation is admiration and affirmation, which is made up of your fear of being thought worthless or appearing unsuccessful, your desire to have respect, admiration, success, value, and your sin is deceit. And again, not literal. You're not a deceptive human to everyone else, just to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So threes like twos have the innate ability to walk into the room and take in the feeling of the room and know who needs help. Threes have the innate ability to walk into a room, take in the feeling of the room and know which side of them they need to show in order to be the most beneficial in that room, to that room. And when they do that too much, they forget who they are Mm -hmm. without the different sides or masks or whatever, whatever you want to call it that they put on in order to be helpful in a room. They forget who they are without all of that. And that is where the deceit comes in. Do you know how much time my therapist and I have spent on this? (laughs) (laughs) So one time I was actually in a coaching call, like I was coaching a client And she said, this is like therapy. And I said, whoa, I'm not a therapist. And she said, I know, but a lot of therapy, the work that you do in therapy, you have to be self-aware. And this Mm -hmm. expedites the self-awareness process. It does. And so I was like, okay, that's valid, but I'm not a therapist. (laughs) Hey friend, are you ready to take your growth to the next level? Do you crave building meaningful connections with like-minded women who get you? Then you need to be at the Ascend Retreat. My upcoming Ascend Retreat is a four-day event that will be held in Gulf Shores, Alabama from March 14th through 17th. During the retreat, you'll have the opportunity to connect with other real women who are passionate about personal growth, gain clarity around your goals and priorities that are keeping you awake at night, Learn from experienced coaches and mentors, including Kylie Epperson, Coach Kaya, and yours truly. Create an action plan to bring your dream life to fruition and participate in workshops, guided activities, and individualized coaching that will not only help you grow and evolve, but shed the limiting beliefs that are keeping you stuck. So what are you waiting for? Register for Ascend today and start the journey to becoming the most aligned, healthy, and purpose-driven version of you. Links to learn more and register are in today's show notes. But wait, there's more. You catch that cheesy reference? Podcast listeners can use code GATHER to save $200 off retreat registration through the month of September. Again, code GATHER at checkout to save $200. I simply cannot wait to ascend with you on the beach this March. I was very long overdue for therapy, but I don't think I could have worked through things at the speed and efficiency that we did without the self-awareness I've honed over the past four years of between personal growth and the Enneagram and just so many other things. It was like we were able to unlock so many pieces of things I needed to work through and what had been holding me back because I had already 
had this whole armory of understanding of who I was, why I did the things that I did. And it was just like putting the final pieces together or maybe untangling the threads even deeper. So there is a lot of interconnection between understanding this and then how that can or cannot set you up for what therapy can do. Yes. And you know what I love that you just said (laughs) that I'm sure you love too as a three, but knowing the Enneagram and all this work I did ahead of time before therapy was so efficient. It was. It was. Oh yeah. Like the memes that are like, wait, did I just win at therapy today? My therapist said I was funny. Like, do I get a gold star? I'm like, oh gosh, that hurts. That hurts. Yeah. So the three's longing is to hear you are loved and valued for being you, mm-hmm. just being you, not your achievements, not what you've done, yet just being you. Mm-hmm. So the type force, their motivation is uniqueness. And that comes from their fear of being inadequate, emotionally disconnected, abandoned, or plain. They desire authenticity, being unique or special, and their sin is envy, not envy of tangible things, but envy of the, air quote, normal they perceive in the rest of us. Little do they know, no, none of the rest of us are normal. <laughs> no one's normal. There is no normal. Their longing is to hear you are seen and loved just as you are, special and unique, which I find fours really fascinating because on one hand, they don't want to be the same as everyone else. They want to be unique and set apart and special because let's face it, they are, I mean, everyone's unique in their own way, but fours, they just have this something like they just view the world in such a different and beautiful way, Mm -hmm. but yet then they have the envy of the normal. So Mm -hmm. it's like, it's like this conundrum to me of how that plays out. Yeah. Type fives are motivated by knowledge. And that stems from their fear of being incapable or incompetent or having their energy depleted. They desire being knowledgeable and competent. Their sin is avarice, which is just a fancy word for greed. Mm -hmm. And that comes from their hoardy hoarder tendencies of storing up time and resources and emotional reserves and things like that. Not necessarily like what you see on the TV show Hoarders. <laughs> right, right. Their longing is to hear your needs are not a problem. And where eights have the most energy, nines have the least, fives have limited energy. They wake up mm-hmm. every day with a set amount of energy. They don't get any more. That's They get what they get and they don't throw a fit or sometimes they might. <laughs> My husband's a five, so <laughs> I feel this. But that's all they get. Mm-hmm. And so they spend their day. That's why they hoard the time, the resources, the emotional bandwidth is because they're very good managers of their energy. It's like I mm-hmm. picture it like a fuel tank and they start the day on full and they every interaction and everything they do, it moves that needle closer to empty. Mm-hmm. And so they're very good managers of their fuel tank. And so if a five is spending time with you and isn't like expressing feelings the way that you express feelings or you want to receive feeling, just know that if they're spending time with you, they love you because every, I can't stress this enough, everything they do moves that fuel gauge closer to empty. So Mm -hmm. just know that. That's if I could have people take one thing away from the type five, that would be it. (laughs) (laughs) Type sixes, they are motivated by security and support. So they fear feeling fear. I'm going to say fear a lot here. Not being supported or lacking security. Their desire is to have security, guidance, and support, and their sin or weakness is fear. And this time it is literal fear. They, like the type ones have the inner critic, sixes have an inner committee, which in Mm. my mind, I picture as a boardroom and every chair is full and people are standing there's people standing around the people sitting Mm -hmm. in the chairs around the table and everyone is loud and not being critical, but just pointing out 
different points of view and Mm -hmm. all the ways to look at something. And it causes a lot of fear and doubt inside the six. And it makes it hard for them to trust their own voice and make decisions and settle on one decision. So they have like a lot of different plans for a lot of different scenarios and a lot and like almost none of those, you know, come to fruition. So they spend a lot of time unnecessarily planning. That is why they're motivated by security and support. If you can offer some security and support to a six, that's helpful. I also like to tell sixes, you know, you're the CEO of your boardroom. So you can tell all those people to sit down and be quiet. Mm, That's really powerful. Their longing is to hear you are safe and secure. Type sevens, you sevens that are listening here. It's your turn finally. They're motivated by happiness and fulfillment. And also when I talk about sevens, other people who aren't sevens are like, well, I'm motivated by happiness and fulfillment. And that's where I say, yeah, a lot of these motivations are things that we all want. Mm-hmm. But when we're really diving down deep into what our actual motivations are, we have to look at it from a perspective of what drives my every move. For me, that is 110% keeping the peace. I don't yeah. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. I don't want conflict in or out. I just want to be peaceful and comfortable and cozy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so Sevens are literally driven by happiness and fulfillment, which comes from their fear of missing out on something fun. Fun is an objective term, whatever the type seven deems fun. Some sevens I know are accountants and numbers are fun for them. They fear being deprived, trapped, limited, or bored or boxed in. Their desire is being happy, fulfilled, and satisfied. Their sin is gluttony, Again, not gluttonous over food, but gluttonous over exhilarating, exciting things. Their longing is to hear you will be taken care of. So that is all nine types and their motivations and what their motivations are rooted in. Yeah. And uh, the best advice I got before diving into the Enneagram book, or maybe it was even in the first chapter, who knows, is if any of those hurt your feelings, that might be a good place to start. Yes. Hard truth. (laughs) Okay. So. Earlier, I said that I took a test and it came up with the result that I was a seven. But after I read about the motivations in the books, and actually it was the the sins, I did not mm-hmm. relate at all to the sevens gluttony. There's a lot of similarities between nines and sevens. Mm-hmm. However, sevens in general have more energy than nines. But I didn't know that at the time. So it was the sins that got me. I didn't relate to the gluttony, but that sloth of nine, I was like, oh, Yes. Yeah. Yes. And another um, thing that I didn't really like hearing about nines is that they go along to get along. I'm like, I don't do that. I do what I want. (laughs) I say what I want. But then when I really reflected, I'm like, oh, snap. I actually don't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like when you hear them read out loud and you're like, oh, that feels so exposing. Like, is that true? Yeah. I know it. So I know we mentioned the road back to you, which I is the first resource I always direct someone to. But for someone else who's listening who wants to dig in, what are some of the other like top places you would direct someone? I love Suzanne Stabile's books, all of mm-hmm. them. So I would say start with the road back to you. You could probably start with the path between us and still come up with your core type from that one. And that one talks about each type in relationship with you all the other types. So Mm -hmm. it's a really good read. And then her most recent book is The Journey Toward Wholeness. And that one dives a little bit deeper. So I don't recommend starting with that one. That one's like a next step. Or you can slide into my DMs and we can chat about it. (laughs) Shameless plug. I love it. So how have you, over the course of the last couple of years, used the Enneagram as a tool to help teach and draw good movement and empower rural communities? It started with coaching at Rural Rooted, which we're both Rural Rooted sisters. Yeah, It started with coaching at Rural Rooted. And then I started doing workshops at different conferences. And last year, 2022, I offered what I call my good movement trainings, where I come to your farm, ranch, or 
rural small business and we have a training and we learn each other's types and we learn communication styles of each type. And then we, in some versions of my good movement trainings, we can even dive into building a team culture or team identity and Mm. how to foster that. And so it's been really fun and exciting (laughs) to go into these places and see actually the first one I did is on the ranch that I work on. And so it's been really fun to see actually in person, the change in communication from before to after, or like the understanding that grew post training. So, Mm. Yeah. So for someone listening who maybe wants to improve communication, whether in a relationship or on a team or a work setting, what are some of those like high level things that you teach on that could be implemented? Like I said, the whole idea for good movement trainings came in 2016 while I was sitting there watching the cows move themselves, essentially. I mean, I started it, but then I didn't have to do much. And it it all centers around this concept that we have in stockmanship that good movement draws good movement. And so the premise of good movement and how to draw it out of your cattle who don't speak English, (laughs) who don't have exhibit human body language, who don't have any of the social cues of humans, you have to revert back to yourself and how you are affecting what they're doing. So Mm -hmm. the first thing that you can do, whether you know the Enneagram or not, is observe observe how people are reacting to you and then Mm -hmm. change your approach based on that reaction. Now, like I said, you know, this is easier with cattle because they're not humans and they don't have human emotions and all of the baggage that humans come with in general. So it's a little bit different when you're having a human to human interaction because you don't know all of the backstory behind their, that human's behaviors. But You can always revert to kindness and that will go a long way. Another another thing I say is get curious, not critical. Mm -hmm. So if someone's coming at you, ask them an honest question. And what I mean by an honest question is one that you do not know the answer to. That does two things. One, It lets that person hear their own answer and maybe within their own answer is what you're trying to get them to understand, you know, with Mm -hmm. what you're telling them or saying to them or whatever the conversation may be. And the other thing it does is it helps you understand them. So Mm -hmm. it's not the, the honest question isn't just to get people to understand you. It's to help you understand them. And then from there, You can either ask more questions or you can be like, oh, you know, now that you said that, let's, let me think about this and we can go this direction, you know, something like that. So be aware of how you're affecting the situation. Be curious, not critical, and always, always, always be kind. I think that somewhere along the way, we have been taught that if you are being kind, that you're somehow conceding or agreeing. And Mm -hmm. that is so false. It's just so false. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot to be said with, I believe that no matter what most people are doing, most people are doing the best that they can with what they have with where they're at. And so I love that you're you're teaching on, you know, approaching with curiosity and like, how did you come to understand this? Explain to me why you think this way. And, you know, it can be so easy for a conversation to escalate into an argument when you are standing on two different sides of something. But more often than not, their motivations are coming from something based on what they want. And yours are also coming from something based on you want. And oftentimes like the middle ground isn't that complicated, but it requires us to kind of set down our own thoughts or ego or whatever you want to say in that, get curious as to why they think the things that they do. And then being able to take that step back of like, okay, how do we understand each other? And then how do we move forward? Yes. Yes. I have actually, it's a really recent story of where I 
even as a type nine who can see more than one side to a situation, mm-hmm. I had to stop myself from going right into criticism and get mm-hmm. curious. It was actually last night. I had someone comment on a story I had put on Instagram and they said, if it's good movement in cattle, I know what you're talking about. And I'm like, actually, yeah, that's where it came from. But the concept applies to humans too. And this person said, I'm good with cattle. And I immediately went to, this person doesn't even want to try good movement Mm -hmm. with humans. What? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I took a step back and I was like, no, there are like a hundred different reasons or a hundred different things they could have meant by mm-hmm. this comment. So I asked a question. I haven't gotten a response yet, <laughs> but I'm hoping I do because it was an mm-hmm. honest question. What do you mean when you say you're good with cattle? Like, are you good with communicating with cattle or you're good with only using this principle with cattle and not interested in using it with humans? Mm-hmm. And if so, why? <laughs> Let's unpack this. And that will, you know, whatever the answer is, that will lead to more questions on my part or a conversation. And at the end of the day, we don't have to agree, but we've both mm-hmm. learned something. And that yeah. is good movement. Yeah. I didn't realize that being able to see different sides of an issue was a nine thing, because that's something I super identify with. And I told you before we started recording that. I had my human design chart read, which is like a whole nother side tangent. And for a long time, I thought that me being able to see multiple sides of an issue meant that I was wishwashy or indecisive or misinformed or unaware or apathetic. And, you know, just kind of hearing it from the perspective of it being a strength, it was like, oh, like no wonder not everyone sees the world that way. Like that was so frustrating to me. Like you've talked about in different political climates, like you can give me just about any issue and I can, I can see why everyone comes to the conclusion that they do. So yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that was a nine thing. Well, I mean, it's not just nines that can see different sides of things. And also you're a three, so you have a direct line to nine. So you're connected. That makes sense. And it probably goes back to the being able to read the room and seeing what. Yeah. And let me ask you this. When you find yourself in that spot where you can see lots of sides to things, is it in a like slightly stressed state that you're reviewing all of the things? I don't think for me personally, I think the stress comes from frustration for other people like pointing fingers at each other and not being able to find a common ground or see where someone else is coming from. It no longer causes stress for me. I feel like it used to because I used to feel insecure about it. But now that I understand like how that fits into just the way that I function, I I don't think that it bothers me. It bothers me that other people can't do that. And that is something I have to check within myself. The reason I ask that is because nine is your stress number which again, mm-hmm. we just did a high level, what's the motivations of each, each type, but we also have what are called stress and security numbers and your stress number is nine. However, that doesn't mean that you just use the type nine when you're stressed. You can also use it, like you can access it when you need to access it. So I was just curious if it was, if you had noticed mm-hmm. if it was when you were stressed or you can just use it. No, I don't, I don't know. And that's where like, I have not dove into all of that is like the stress and the strengths and how that's all interconnected. Like you said, there's so many different, Mm -hmm. there's so much to learn forever. Oh my gosh. And then we could even talk about like centers of intelligence and all of the things. It's very fascinating. It's so cool. But I love that, like we said before we started, it's a tool a tool to gain self-awareness, a tool to understand yourself and the world around you and the people in your life, and ultimately to draw that good movement. So on that topic, tell us more about what's in store for the podcast and everything else you have on the works. Yeah. So good movement draws good movement. The podcast is coming this fall. And I am very, very excited. It will be mostly solo shows with guests sprinkled in, and we will be talking about all things good movement, self, social awareness, communication techniques, all the things. And I'm so excited. 
It's so exciting. So when you think about, maybe this is, maybe this is a question you don't know the answer to, but when you think about your overarching goal or like your motivations in showing up in the online space and teaching and coaching and launching a podcast about this, like what's the vision that you see of how this fits into the world? Okay. Well, full disclosure, I started the good movement trainings and all the things for selfish reasons. (laughs) Because as a nine and wanting to keep the peace, I thought, you know, if I can help people communicate better without this conflict, then there will be less conflict around me and then I'll be able to be more peaceful. (laughs) But in all seriousness, when we think about good movement in cattle, when you focus on good movement every time you handle your cattle, you don't just get like time-saving moves that go more efficiently. The benefits go deeper than that. Like you have improved herd health. You have less stress on you and the animals. You have all these things that come from focusing on good movement. And it's the same when we focus on good movement with our fellow humans. We get more productive employees. We have better relationships with our family. We have less stress with the people that we're interacting with and less stress on ourselves. And this is something that I am just in the baby stages of getting into, but I honestly think that good movement, human to human good movement Mm -hmm. also improves our health like it does with our cattle, just Mm -hmm. from that limiting the stress factor. Mm -hmm. But then like I said, I'm just in, the, I maybe shouldn't talk about it any more than that because I'm just scratching the surface of learning on that. But yeah, I just feel like so much of what you do and what you're passionate about aligns with the vision that I see. And I truly believe that, you know, that self-awareness, that investing in personal growth, that understanding who we are and what we need and what we want, I think it's a ripple effect. And it might start with, unpacking the Enneagram and learning communication, but then you just start thinking about other parts of yourself and what other people in your life need and where your intentionality and purpose comes from, which then leads to like, wait, why does my body feel the way that it does? Like, what do I need to support my health? It's it's a domino effect within yourself that, you know, impacts your family, that impacts the people in your immediate community, that impacts the people you're connected to on social media, I think it's a ripple effect. And, you know, it sounds cliche to say, but I think that some of the work that we're doing here is what changes communities, especially these rural communities that we love from the inside out. So I, I just love so much of what you're doing and is so such a heart aligned mission with the things that I care about a lot too. Thank you. And I agree. And ripple effect, good movement draws good movement. It does. It does. And it's like these these little things and it just starts with, hmm, what if I changed my habits? And then all of a sudden turns into years later, just a totally transformed mindset and lifestyle. And that's turns into breaking generational curses and changing yeah. the way that we raise the next generation. And World peace, yes. right? Okay. Like, yes, world peace. I'll be so happy peace. with world peace. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it's, it sounds simple, but I, you know, there's that quote that's like, if you want to change the world, start with yourself or change yourself or something yeah. like that. And I have seen so much evidence of that over the years. So it's, I love what you're doing. It's, it's simple, but it's not easy. Yeah. Intentionality is a choice. And sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's exciting and enlightening, and sometimes it's really hard. It's so hard. (laughs) I think I've said this on the podcast before, but once on a really hard day, I asked my therapist, I'm like, are less self-aware people happier because this sucks? And she said, yes, but not in the ways that matter. There's something to be said for ignorance is bliss, but when you get to the end of your life, those are the people who sit back and wish that things had gone differently and have, you know, buckets of regrets. So she said, self-awareness and doing the work is really hard in the moment, but you're setting yourself up for a rich, fulfilling life that feels good in the long run. And that, that has gotten me through some hard days. 
And when you know better, you do better. And that's a constant evolution of life. I'm sure 20 years from now, I'll look back at this season and be like, man, if I knew what I knew now, but that's all part of the journey. Yes, it is. Well, with that being said, where can listeners connect with you online in the podcasting space above and beyond? Online, you can find me on Instagram at Taryn, T-E-R-R-Y-N dot Dreeling, D as in David, R-I-E-L-I-N-G. I'm one of those folks who has to spell both my names. Hey, I I get pretty, I get off pretty easy with Emily, but Rachel, yeah, I got to spell it every time. <laughs> That's on Instagram. And then I, my website is still faithfamilyandbeef.com. And that is where you can find me on Facebook. And you will be able to find me later this fall. Good movement draws good movement. All right. Last question. Question I ask every guest on the show. What does personal growth mean to you in this season? Personal growth for me in this season looks like I I heard this quote in a book just the other day. And if you follow me already on Instagram or on my email list, you have heard this before, but not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing Mm. can be changed until it is faced. And so right now, that's James Baldwin said that, right now, for me, personal growth looks like facing things to make change because I am a fairly change-averse human. Mm. And that quote was so good and so annoyingly convicting (laughs) that right now, personal growth looks like facing things and making change. Mm. That's so good. Wait, say the quote again one more time. Not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. Ooh, so good. Mic drop. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Taryn, thank you so much for being here. It was a joy to just get to hear your insight and perspective. And I appreciate the light that you are in the world. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I have also really enjoyed this conversation. So good. I feel like we could have a part two and a part 10. Agreed. And we can maybe just alternate. (laughs) Gathering growth, good movement draws good movement. (laughs) Sounds fantastic. Have I told you today how much I appreciate you? I'd like to imagine this was a meaningful backyard patio kind of chat between friends sipping LaCroix at sunset. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a screenshot to share or forward this episode to a friend. You can also find me at Emily Rushel over on social to continue the conversation. It's truly a joy to hear what tidbits and takeaways made an impact on your day. As always, all links and resources mentioned in today's episode can be found in the show notes listed below or over at emilyrushell.com. Special thanks to my podcast manager, Jill Carr, for the time and love she puts into producing Gathering Growth for this community. What a blessing it is to be on this personal growth journey together. Forever grateful for you.